everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Vodka O'Clock Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Love. And you can sponsor the show and my work by going to patreon.com slash amberunmasked. I'm sorry, it's been a few months since recording, but I really was busy working on a book. So hopefully, hopefully now that that manuscript is done, it took several months. I started November 1st. Um, and it's it's done. So hopefully something will will go and happen there. And Patreon backers at a higher level always get news about books and stuff before anyone else. But I'm really happy to be back podcasting. And joining me today is my friend Kate Kosterski, who's uh, known as Librarian Kate pretty much everywhere. Um, so Kate, we're going to talk about writing and geek stuff. And just basically, it's going to be casual conversation. So I'm yeah. so glad you're here. Thank you. And thank you for accommodating my schedule. So in case people are curious, I work from home two days a week on my day job. So I'm literally sitting at home in my bathrobe right now, my pajamas. Well, it's fantastic. I'm really glad that that you fit that into your schedule too. Um, Because I know that we have, uh, we have friends in common and we have books and stuff in common and everything. So I just couldn't wait to really touch base and just nerd out. Yeah, (laughs) nerd Um, yeah, so uh, I noticed that you you started writing for a couple of outlets like Geeks Out and and I wanted to talk about all that new blogging stuff that you started doing. So f- start filling us in besides, you know, librarianing. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it is because of librarianing that I started writing about comics, but not in the way you would expect. Uh, the thing was I had some library commitments with my professional association that were starting to wrap up. And truth be told, I was feeling a little burnt out on libraries. And by little, I mean really a lot burnt out on libraries. And I said, I think I need a new outlet for a while. I'm going to take a year sabbatical from doing anything professionally related to libraries unless it directly connects to my day job. And we'll do something fun and we'll revisit this whole library thing in a year. And this was last July. So I've always been a fan of Geeks Out. Uh, for the, uh, those unfamiliar, Geeks Out is a New York City-based nonprofit that seeks to amplify queer voices, LGBTQ and all the other letters, in the geek community. I'm an ally, been a strong ally for many years. It's what happens when you go to library school in the heart of Chelsea at an art school. And I had gone to their con, FlameCon, the first two years it had been in existence, and I had a lot of fun. So I thought, let's go from being longtime listener to first-time caller and see if they need volunteers. This led to some involvement with them in helping to plan FlameCon 2018 and doing some writing for their site. Now, I had done journalism back in college in 19-something or 1990-something or other, Um I was on the college newspaper. I'd done some features to profile campus organizations. I was an editor. I was like, we had a good time those two years. Let's try this again. What that eventually led to about two months later in the summer was working with a site called Multiversity Comics, which I can best describe as a site for fans by fans. We are pure comics in the sense that what we talk about has to be directly connected to comics. For example, you're not going to find reviews of episodes of Supernatural on our site because that doesn't tie into comics. Um, but you'll find reviews of CW's The Flash, Arrow, because they're comic book properties. The one thing we try to do is we try to be critical but positive. 
We're not going to be a, a gossipy site. We have a strong policy against doing things that what that your typical nerdist or comic book resources do, which is write about every trailer, share the leaked photos from the set. We want to be really thoughtful with our news and thoughtful with our commentary. And that's what really attracted me over to them. I started doing some of their little mini reviews. Uh, we have a column on Monday mornings called Wrapping Wednesday, which is all the books you may have missed that aren't covered by our standard review team. Then I worked up to the review team, which covers one comic book a week, just whatever's coming out that Wednesday. And in late December, they offered me the position of social media manager. So I am the voice of their Twitter and their Facebook and Tumblr by virtue of the fact that Facebook cross-posts to Tumblr. Mostly it's Twitter. I still do writing. I've moved over to our graphic novel team. And as we're recording this on Monday, March 26th, about 20 minutes ago, my review for the month just went live on a really beautiful graphic memoir of one woman growing up in the 80s, in her coming of age years, in the Philippines during the fall of the Marcos martial law regime. It's called Duran Duran, Imelda Marcos, and Me. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for those of us who went through the 80s, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a book that I, as a child of the 80s, and I actually opened my review with this, so I still have this vivid memory of sitting on my uncle's couch Christmas Day watching Jeopardy. And the news broke into Jeopardy that the dictator in Romania, Nicolae Ceausescu, had died. And I just still remember seeing this very graphic dead dude on my screen. And when you're like 11 years old, that's, yeah. that sticks with you. So it was, a, I, I found I was attracted to this book in a lot of ways uh, for the time period, for the premise of the story, which does deal with the death of a parent, which is something I've dealt with as an adult. So it was, it's well done on many levels. So go check it out. Um, I still do some micro comic reviews here and there. Um, mostly again, they try, and I do the graphic novel reviews once a month. That's good. Um, I know that I, I'm really excited to see that w probably my favorite graphic novel, um, I Kill Giants is going to make it sort of to the big screen, small screen. I don't know what you really call it. It's going to video on demand. Small screen. And it's and so it's small. It's a screen. It's a screen, but now we have screens everywhere. Um, and, and I believe that's very soon. Um, like maybe April something. Um, but it's an amazing book by Joe Kelly and KM Nimura. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, but I think that's correct. Um, so, and it's definitely a, a it's a tragic book. <laughs> I will warn. I will warn people. It's a, for as fun as it is about a girl who's a dungeon master, game master. Um, it's it's also does have tragedy in it, um, but it's just a brilliant book. So I can't wait to see what they come out with um, as far as visuals, new new type of media visuals. Yeah. And one of the things we're trying to do at Multiversity is move away from being 100% the big two Marvel, DC, and your standard superhero fare and trying to really diversify in what we cover. We do a column on, we do columns on manga. We're trying to get up columns on web comics. We are dipping our toe into all ages comics. So it's there, are those of you who listen who have children and want to share your love of comics with kids, we are going to be working to find things that are age appropriate. I did a graphic novel review of a, uh, 
little kids graphic novel that was written by my friend and his seven-year-old son. And it's the cutest oh, awesome. thing. And it's the cutest thing ever. So we are really looking to be not just your big two superheroes. There's something for everybody. And that's our goal is we continually evolve on making there to be something for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely understand the importance of that because once I um, the left the Girls Entertainment Network, well, basically they folded, um, I, I was covering Marvel there and um, – and I was covering Marvel for like uh, dynamic forces and stuff and, and talking about it on various podcasts. But um, since not being on the press list for the big two, I really haven't paid any attention to them except what I read about in other people's articles. So it's an interesting phenomenon that, you know, when I do pick up, you know, some issues of Wonder Woman or something, I'm like, oh, that's what people are talking about. Mm. And um you know, but I, I'm just still completely fulfilled outside of that with the other markets, like, um, you know, image, of course, and, you know, smaller press like Action Lab and uh, Black Mask Studios. I love ass. Black Mask. I am so excited. They're going to have their first ongoing series in June. Did you know that? They no, are. I okay. Have you read the, the Kim and Kim books by Magdalene Visaggio? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Kim and Kim. I read the first one. Yeah. So they did, she did too many series, Kim and Kim and Kim and Kim Love is a Battlefield. And it was, I think last week, uh, she was announced she's going to have an ongoing series with Kim and Kim with Black Mask starting in June. It's called, now I, I forgot to ask you this before we went live. Can we, um, are we okay with salty language? Oh yeah. So it's called, oh yeah. shit, it's Kim and Kim. <laughs> okay. I did see that announcement. I didn't realize that was an ongoing. I just yeah. thought it was the next volume. Nope. It's, um, and I had met her, at, and she's also doing Eternity Girl over at Vertigo, which is a DC right. imprint. And I thought she was signed. I thought I just saw her sign for another character, but I am blanking on that right now. And I could go look. Yeah, this she's up. really busy, <laughs> like she's, exceptionally busy. And, she's, and I'm thrilled because she's talented as hell. She writes it's Kim and Kim. I love. She's a player. It's like sitting at the bar with two of your buddies. Yes. And she is, for those who don't know, she is trans. And we need more voices like that. And we need yeah. those, and we need, vo- and we need those, we just need those voices so, so much. Right. Written by, written by know, their own, their own voices, which yes. is important because even, even when it's done really well, and this was something that Mags actually changed her own opinion on. Um, at first, she was like, only trans people should write trans characters, um, mainly because there was there was such a lack in, of opportunity. And then she came out later and said, "You know what? I'm going to change my mind on this." And made the whole big um, a, a blog post, like to counter her own blog post, saying um, it that it can be done, but it has to be done like with so much thought. And and I think that's a, a key thing is that when. Uh, like there was obviously a big problem with the the one um what the hell i can't remember the name of the book but it was the howard chaken book by image where they had like the just abuse and death of a trans character uh, and it was divided, it was, st- divided states, states. Hyster- hysteria which i have to, yeah which i have to finish reading because i'm going to be interviewed about political comics on another podcast but honestly the three issues have been sitting there and it's like the only reason i'm actually finishing this is because i have to talk about it so and i like my political intrigue but this was one that i've 
went, uh And just yeah, for that, that reason, that fourth co- it was yeah. the fourth cover that was just really not 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 cool. Not okay. Not, not okay. Yeah. <laughs> not okay. So um yeah, so when shit like that happens, that's why um people do want to elevate anything that falls into the you know hashtag own voices if you will um whether it's um, you know a black character or trans character or um you know asian american characters that's actually um every once in a while there's like an asian american uh twitter chat that goes on about comics and stuff which is really cool to to watch and read through yeah i'll Uh, say that like for the last review i did because it was based on a time period that i remember but again i was only about i was only a child um this is again this is the mid to late 80s i had to do a little bit of fair research to find out what was the end of the marcos regime like in the philippines um all i remember all i could tell you if i if you asked my me before i wrote this was oh yeah melda marcos and her 3000 pairs of shoes and her shoes yeah shoes that's all i remember <laughs> but when you when i did in some very enough light, not like heavy duty research, but just some light. I, I Wikipedia a lot of stuff. And as I read about this, I realized how much what happened in that country. And this is the birth of what's called the Fourth Republic. This was the People Power Revolution. First of all, the parallels between that and today. And second, how much of that probably laid the seeds for what I remember most, which was the fall of communism in Eastern Europe. So okay. it's, and I wanted to make sure that I was honoring with this woman's life experience appropriately, and I had to read up and do, read and read up and do my research on that. It was fascinating. Yeah. That's and that's you know impressive that you you go that far because it's one of the things that you can tell when somebody has, for example, studied art history or is an artist themselves, and they give a review of comics because the review is totally and completely different. And just like if you read something on I don't know, like Comics Beat, um, you you see more of a, a business analysis done yeah. as opposed to. Um, you know, just like, well, the sequence was great and and the pacing was fine. And, and, yeah. and sometimes you do phone it in like that if you're just, you know, not that into a story. And believe um, me, there are stories wow. we're not, we don't shy away uh, and I don't shy away from calling it, calling it like I see it. If the story's bad, I'm going to say so. There was, I think, like one of the Deadpool's uh, miniseries I did that I looked at this and just ended it with the words, Deadpool deserved better. Oh, uh. Because yeah, it, and it, sometimes that happens, and you know, it's one of those things that's actually a character that I have like zero interest in. That's funny that you mention it, um, but I've but I've read Wonder Woman books like that too, and 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 I always feel very odd because other people will be praising something, and I'm like, it just didn't do it for me. Yep. And I feel like there's something wrong with me. Like, what am I not getting out of this book? <laughs> yep. Yeah, having read my colleagues' reviews, and we are we're a, we're a pretty worldwide bunch, mind you. So um, we've got writers. A lot of our writers are in the U.S. We've got a good portion of them in Australia. I think we've got somebody in Israel. We have an American who's in Ch- living in China, or South America. But there are times that I'll be like, "Dude, what were you thinking?" Mm-hmm. Other times, most times lately, it's been like, oh, I should go pick that up, which is a blessing because you get exposed to all these wonderful new titles and creators, and it's a curse on your wallet. Yes, exactly. Or in my which case, on my iPad, I'm... which is where all my review yeah. copies live. 
<laughs> yeah, if you you know you start maxing out the the memory, uh, and 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 you end up like me, where I have like this amount of this file of like, wow, my to be read file is ridiculous, <laughs> and just like my bookshelves. I mean, they're just you know, they're my to be read piles are are always uh, a bit overwhelming. You know, it's like I'd be set if I was on a deserted island. I'd, I'd still be okay for a long time. And one would think with a commute that's an hour into the city on commuter rail, I'd have all this time to read. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I do not miss commutes. That's for goddamn sure. But I did, you know, I did have the opportunity then to either listen to podcasts, which were great, or audiobooks, yes. which, you know, was was really the only thing that got me to survive long commutes. Mm-hmm. I hear you. And yes, audio, audiobooks count as books. I'm I am, sorry, I'm but a you firm, are, you're preaching to the choir here, Amber, because I, yeah. I, I love audiobooks. I, in addition to comics, I am a knitter. So it's great for me to just put on an audiobook and get some reading done while I'm knitting. Uh, the one I've been yes. listening to lately is actually called Marvel Comics, The Untold Story. And if you give me one second, I'm going to get the author's name for you. I'm just opening up my Audible app. It's a Sean Howe. I, I read that. It's Sean Howe. And it's a fascinating look at the history of Marvel Comics. And some of the things you hear make you chuckle. Um, one of them, one of them that really got me was in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. Stan Lee was not big on big crossover events, big miniseries. He liked to keep, keep things self-contained, which is really ironic because you look the at the opposite. Because you look at things like Marvel Legacy. Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> Everything's a reboot and a crossover and an epic, you know, event. And I, you know, DC really, really overdid it with events too. So yes. not to just sling hash at one and not the other. <laughs> Everybody's, you know, all, you know, all the publishers have their faults and all the publishers have their, their strong suits. Um, one of the, I, on the topic of DC, I think one of the really strong suits they have is they're really taking their characters and putting them into new mediums. Um, they are, they announced in Jan- February that they are launching two youth-oriented graphic novel lines, DC Zoom and DC Inc. And I might get this wrong, so bear with me, but I think one the DC Zoom is for your tween age. Uh, I think they've described it as coming of age as a safe with a safety net. And the Inc. is like a more young adult novels. But they're taking their characters and putting them into these new media um, to uh, – get people out of a comic shop and they're making a very dedicated push to libraries. The head of both those lines used to work in the industry. So he knows libraries, he knows librarians. And at our conference not too long ago, they had a big, big, big push, big announcement. They had a big breakfast with all kinds of freebies. So they, they know their stuff. Well, that's good. Cause I know that there was a great success found with Glenda Bond's novels. Um, for Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. So, um, hopefully I got her name correct. Um, so I know that there, there have been other novels. Um, and what's impressive is that they have, it's really funny that they've actually, you know, tapped into the market of female voices and, um, yeah, in the comics side of things, it's still rare, uh, you know, to find like every time I get, you know, they get the press releases every single day of what's coming out and everything. And I'm like, why is it still so rare to see a female voice for either the penciler or the writer? Like, yeah. still, it's ridiculous. So, um, 
So it's fantastic to see that at least when it comes to the novel imprints, they're, you know, kind of, you know, kind of doing something there. Um, I don't know. Wonder Woman had a book and um, did Harley Quinn? I can't remember if, if Harley had one, but her success is ridiculous. Yeah, hers is, her yeah, hers is going to be the first uh, in the D, a book. She's going to be the focus of the first book in the, the DC Ink line. Okay, where, so that's like, that's cool. like her, she's coming. She's coming to Gotham for the first time. That she's going to be living in a house full of drag queens. It's and those these will be out. Uh, we thought it was going to be later this year. I've been now hearing March of next year. Because in their words, they want to okay. do them right. Well, yeah, but when I hear drag queens, that kind of sets off some red flags because drag queens aren't the best thing for the trans community. That's true. That's true. um. So I do worry about that. But then again, Harley has had a difficult... We could record an entire journey. podcast on Harley Quinn. Let's be clear. Yes. And I'm not an expert on Harley Quinn by any stretch of the imagination, okay? I'm just like a, a fan of, you know, the animated series and like, you know, but I, you know, I do get upset when I see certain Harley depictions and stuff and, and erasures, you know, how they... I was so happy, even though I wasn't reading any of her books at the time, so happy to hear about Harley and Ivy having a romantic partnership and yet um, it's still like everything being made outside of that is still Harley and Joker like literally everywhere I'm like oh my god can't we move on (laughs) I think what got me with that was being at New York Comic Con 2016 and seeing these little girls tweens in the Harley Quinn suicide squad costume and I'm sure this there are little girls Little little girls in that outfit. Yeah, and, and uh, that we alarming. We all have, we're all online for the Women of Marvel panel. And we're just like, and we're and there's a whole bunch of us. There's like, like, did you buy? Were you bought it by that? Yeah, me too. Because and I, it's like parents. I kind of get your kid probably wants to go at the last minute, and you don't want, and you just want to find a costume at Target. But think about the message you're promoting here. Yeah, and the chances are they don't know. They just think, oh, she's a silly character and yeah. she's goofy. I mean, it is it is really different than if you do, like, the superhero girls, which are amazing. Yes. The superhero girls version of uh, – you can totally get behind. You can totally see parents, you know, putting their kids in that. That's fine. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, Harley is an adult character. And, and um, you know, I guess, I guess it could be said for any of them, for Catwoman certainly and for Batman, um, you know. Uh, <laughs> I guess it just really, really depends on um, the maturity of your kids yes. also. Yes. Um, because some kids know their shit and other kids don't. Yes. Like I was a really, really stupidly, like unbelievably naive kid. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so a lot goes in there and um, geek kids are super adorable. Kids in costumes are amazing. <laughs> Um, the flip side of that, I, I and I think I don't know if maybe the universe listened, but uh, this past New York Comic Con, there was the kids were dressed Supergirl, Wonder Woman, Ray from Star Wars. Oh yeah, and to see That's a complete difference just warmed my heart so much. Uh, there were moms and daughters dressed as Wonder Woman. 
that made me tear up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and now we're going to see, now we're going to see, you know, all the Black Panther um, Doras out there. Um, how did they say? Malaji or? I'm uh, not even going to try. I will probably upset somebody if I try. <laughs> yeah, they like, you know, it's, it was really hard when they say, when I hear things I want to see, I want to see little black, I want to see little African American girls as Shuri. Shuri oh yes baby. and that when at, at least they came out with they came out with those toys early on yes. which was fantastic so um you know to see that the marketing was there and they were already getting because that's what sucks is when it sucks and yet it's sometimes fun um when the stuff's not available but you know what not every parent is going to be a cosplay fabricator <laughs> yeah so um you know, that's credit to the manga and anime kids, really, because I say kids because they're like 11, 12 years old sometimes, and they come up with the most unbelievable things, like engineering-wise. I have been to and, cons, and I, I will take, if it looks remotely manga or anime, I don't care what it is. Tell me, to, so I don't sound like an idiot, but I'll take your picture just because some of these are just amazing, amazing crafts. Yeah, they're just cool. Crafts, the color... And they have fun with it. Yeah, and they do everything, like you know, from the the boots to the the props and the wigs. And I mean, I'm always amazed, though, for any cosplay tutorial um, that somebody can do something with a reasonable amount of money. Because uh, to me, when I start putting things together. You know, next thing you know, it's three hundred dollars because it might be three hundred dollars spent over a year, but it's still like three hundred dollars. You know, it's like you know, a pair of boots will cost you fifty dollars. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, it's yeah, it does start to add up. But if you know, some of the stuff, like I said, they're just they're making things from scratch or buying secondhand or reusing and redying and re- you know, unbelievable. In short, ingenuity. cosplayers, we salute you. Yeah, totally, totally. I and I was gonna make something new for this year, and I haven't. I'm like, oh, damn it. Yeah, um, I normally do not cosplay for New York Comic Con because I'm lazy and I like to be comfortable all day. It's important to be comfortable. Once you've been comfortable once, it's like, oh my god, yeah. I never want to go yeah. back. But plus, yeah. even though I'm local, we don't get a hotel room or stay over, so I have no place to change clothes. That, that yeah. isn't like a changing room or the ladies' room. At the Javits. So I'm, I'm oh, more yeah. of jeans, t-shirts. Actually, this year I went leggings, t-shirts, and just having, just being comfortable and having fun. Yeah. And it's, it's a very physically demanding thing to do a show, especially that big. Um, which is why I'm happy to say that, um, for Garden State Comic Fest in Atlantic City, I'll be doing geek yoga to give people the opportunity to um, do yoga with the support of a chair. That's good. So they can, um, you know, so if you've been sitting all day, you can do the, you know, posture standing up or um, you can come in and get in a chair and stretch out your legs, stretch out your shoulders. And um, I'm hoping for success there. <laughs> no, I think they've had that at New York Comic Con. Um, I think, uh, I think you'll get people in for that. People are going to want to stretch out, relax, and even just to get the mental break. Cons are overwhelming. Yeah, that's what, that was the other yeah, cons are overwhelming even so, for an extrovert. Yeah. 
They truly are. I mean, it's you want to be in a room where you can have some peace and quiet, and which is difficult because you know there's always going to be a loudspeaker going off. There's always going to be somebody opening and closing the door when you don't want them to, um, and that just happens. But that comes with the environment. So hopefully, um, hopefully this will at least take off. I've noticed and, a trend at cons, uh, FlameCon, not to toot our own horn, but FlameCon, I think, did it first, but I've seen it pop up now other places, is a quiet room. Yeah, I've heard of this. And yeah. um, as, ne- as auntie to a lovely, lovely little baby girl who's on the spectrum and can't take loud noises, I love that idea. Yeah. And, and for some, for people who are, you know, just average attendees, not just celebrity guests, like we know celebrity guests get some place to go and, and unwind and, you know, and sometimes maybe like the VIP passes will let you into that place, whatever that luxurious mm-hmm. back room is. But, um, but yeah, it is important to have some, you, you know, even if there's like just no noise, just silence and it, it's extremely important. Now, not every, venue has yeah. that potential that's another thing exactly but um yeah that's so that's what i'm going to be doing um and uh, you know i don't know i was going to try to theme it a certain way but it might just be uh, just a very generalized like you said i was going to try to really theme it up though but who knows who knows what it'll be because i the more i plan something the less likely i am to follow the plan so i'm trying to not overdo it i'm just trying to like rehearse my my movement take, <laughs> and get used to the timing yeah, you take cues from the audience i'm sure as well right um yeah so but the i wanted to uh, get back to the when we were talking about um big 2 and uh, epic events and stuff of, you know, one of the other publishers I like is Valiant. And I don't, I don't read a tremendous amount of their stuff, but I like their character Faith and they're doing Harbinger Wars 2 is starting. So um, they're also doing Shadow Man, which I haven't checked out yet, but I believe that's sort of like a reboot of an old character or something. That one I don't know, so so I can't speak to that. My favorite lately has been Boom Studios. Okay, I don't I don't usually read Boom because I'm not on their list. But um I do like I did like Lumberjanes, but that was again, you know, that was a paying for it situation. They are doing a wonderful comic now called um Fence, which is the story uh which is about teenage male fencers at a boarding school and they feature a um I don't want to use I don't think I can describe it as trans but maybe non-binary gen non-binary character. And okay. they've they've really handled LGBT issues very sensitively and respectfully. Plus, it's yeah, Boom's a great company. Yeah, they've been they've also they've rebooted prop they've rebooted Rugrats, which I loved as a as as a little middle school kid. So and they've rebooted it in such a way that it's mo- they've incorporated modern technology into the story. So okay. the parents are finding new ways to watch the babies with their smartphones and their drones and the babies are trying, it's, <laughs> it's well done. And the babies are trying to find ways to one up the technology. Oh boy. That's funny. Yeah. See, and I love that kind of stuff. And I, like I said, you, you know, you mentioned covering kids comics and I love reading kids comics because it's my brain candy. Sometimes it's more cerebral and sometimes it really is just like a kid's 
book. And that's the difference between like when something says all ages, like My Little Pony, man, they they used to at least um, back when I was reading, it, I haven't read it in a long time, but they would slip in stuff that, you know, kids aren't necessarily going to get. But, you know, an adult reading it would totally mm-hmm. get. Um, so I love that, too. Uh, you know, even Action Lab would do that. They throw in like movie references and stuff like that. So um I was really sad when Dog of Wonder was canceled. That was one of my favorite books. <laughs> I'm always, I'm kind of like, I go on Twitter sometimes and I'll just be really whiny and just say, can you please bring back, you know, can you, can you please bring back this book I really, really liked? <laughs> yeah, I was, um, Mystic You, which is a DC book, is one that I is finishing up this week and I was really sad to see that go because they were double-sized issues, but it's the, the essential, the, it's like, it takes Zatanna and puts her at a magical school. School. So it's like Zatanna goes to Hogwarts, but it was fun. Oh, cute! And it was more of like a college environment than it really was hog- like a high school environment. So a little bit of the a little bit of the magicians, Lev, Gro- mm-hmm. Lev Grossman's book thrown in, and I thought, how oh, sad! It's three issues. I know there were double sizes, but still. <laughs> Yeah, that's sad because Valiant is also doing like a high school thing. And I think honestly, part of that, I I give all the credit to even though I I don't watch it, Riverdale. I mean, Archie Comics has never been more popular than first they came out with Kevin Keller being gay, um, which they soared there. I mean, everybody was talking about Archie Comics again. And then they came out with Riverdale. And now like Riverdale's getting a spinoff or something. And um you know they they have their characters they're gonna have well sabrina the haunted version the you know the more horror version mm-hmm. is gonna is gonna come out and um and, and it's just all stuff that was not too many people ever ever talked about even though their sales were always fine mm-hmm. so i think i think this like you know capitalizing on the high school environment or the or the going off to college environment you know sometimes it just comes around to the right generation finding it appealing Mm -hmm. exactly um that's just that's just how it is and now even some of us old farts can appreciate it so um i'm just you know riverdale looks enticing but on the other hand i'm like i watch too much tv already we are in an an era of peak tv and um my dvr is having a race against time to not hit a hundred (laughs) percent Oh, I can imagine. I mean, it's already like, you know, at, at least comic book wise, I, you know, watched Lucifer and iZombie and Supergirl. Um, yeah, God, it just seems like there's so much stuff. That's so and, good. Oh, Black Lightning was freaking amazing. We have to catch up on Black Lightning, but I, I just, I love that because it was fun, but it also wasn't afraid mm-hmm. to get very real about race relations in America. And as I described it to a coworker of mine, I said, it's going to go, it's going to make you uncomfortable. And that's a good thing. Right. And first of all, it's got, um, it's show, it shows different classism anyway, even within the black community. And and that was cool. And like, um, cause Luke Cage to me, like I didn't like Jessica Jones. I don't, so I haven't even bothered trying to watch the second season of Jessica Jones, but to me, the Luke Cage show was so much better. And when I watched black lightning, it was so good that I forgot it was a DC show. I'm like, wow, this feels like a black, uh, a Luke Cage show instead of it being black lightning. Like to me, it felt like it could have been in the same universe. And it's like, no, they're competitors. 
Yeah, and I am I I am I will admit I am a fan of Jessica Jones. I have still have to finish the second season. Um there are times when I look at the violence and I'm like, this is a little much. Uh it was at one point I was very close to quitting Game of Thrones. Um mm-hmm. it was a scene in which a child was burned at the stake, and I cannot do deal with violence against children. When, yeah, that's pretty hard. And I I feel the sh- I feel like the show's tried to redeem itself a little bit when you see the women sort of clawing up and fighting back. But that still sticks with me way too much. It's like, how could I know you're HBO and you take pride in the fact that you can go risque, but <laughs> you shouldn't have gone there. Well, and to bring, yeah, I, I I only lasted ten minutes into into Game of Thrones. I didn't I didn't even give it a shot. I was like ten minutes, I'm done. And to bring up a very 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 contemporary version, I was reading our. I don't watch The Walking Dead. Um, I watch Fear the Walking Dead. But I, our reviewer is at this point hate watching the show because it has gone very downhill. And apparently, this week there was a scene of a child, and and this is trigger warning guns. A child taking a machine gun and taking and, and like walking off to go kill somebody, or with what, what's implied. And our reviewer and I agree with him said, "Look at your timing, AMC. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. We had the mar- yeah. This isn't old old Yeller. Well, this not is- only <laughs> that, it's just we had the march for our lives this weekend here. I, I say in the United yeah. States since that's where most of the marches were, but I do know it was a worldwide event." Could you have had some respect for people who have lost their lives to gun violence, especially children, and maybe held that episode back a week? And I'm chatting with our reviewer after I read it. I was like, I said, listen, I agree with you. And he's like, yeah, they just don't care. They know they're sitting on a cash cow. They have a feather in their Mm -hmm. cap that this show has beaten the NFL when it's aired on on, during football season. And to beat a sport or to beat a, an organization, a company that pretty much owns Sundays four or five months out of the year is no easy feat. And they're just saying, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want. And I'm surprised. Yeah. And, and I'm surprised. What is the fear of the walking dead? Cause fear I mean, walking, I've heard of it, but the I don't walking know. Dead the is supposedly the prequel. So you see okay. the first, um, it was very much a prequel in the first season in the sense that you are seeing society collapse as people turn. Now it's sort of hitting okay. its own and it's becoming it's gonna it's bleeding a little bit more into the Walking Dead. There is gonna be a crossover of a Walking Dead character to fear the Walking Dead. So the universes are going to meet. But they've been mostly Okay, because I th- I thought that was one of the points of intrigue was that you never know how the zombie virus starts. You still don't when you watch the show. You still it's still not made clear. Okay. Um Okay, because I lasted a little bit longer than Game of Thrones. I lasted about 30 minutes into The Walking Dead, and then I saw a horse being torn apart, and I'm like, I am done. Yeah. And, I'll, <laughs> so, and on that note, I'll mention for any listeners, uh, a friend of mine who is very sensitive to animal violence uh, informed me of a website called Does the Dog Die? I think that's the name of it. But it okay. is a place you can go and look up to see if there is any violence against animals in a movie. She had told me this because we'd gone to see one of, I think, the last James Bond movie, and she had, and I had said how wonderful it was. And she responded to me on Facebook, "Do you know anything about violence against animals? Because it's not up on Does the Dog Die yet." And I looked at this website. So if you're sensitive to animal violence in any way, Mm -hmm. great place to go and see if and to check your favorite movie. 
before you go see it. Okay, good. Good to know. Because, I mean, John Wick is, you know, like one of my favorite movies, but oh my God. John Wick's love for his dog. <laughs> yes, yes. Just just embrace the goodness that's in there otherwise. But um, I yeah, again, I haven't seen the second one of that either. But um, yeah, I, in fact, it was just so funny that you bring up that website because Felicia Day was tweeting something. I don't even know what movie she was talking about, but she's like, she was like, I need to know if the dog dies in this because if it does, I'm not going. And um, uh, so who the hell knows what, what movie that was. <laughs> but um, yes, yeah. Gutting the horse and um, and it's, you know, it's just so weird how much of an impact one scene can make. Like now when I see cute little Pomeranian dogs, all I can think about is the Blade movie where they, you know, like their jaws open up and they get get all like mm-hmm. vampire-y and gross. Mm-hmm. And, or bunnies. And it's just so weird. Or bunnies like, in Monty Python. Oh, okay. Oh, just gross, gross. <laughs> I say this as my cat is just waking up from his nap and he's looking at me like, Mama, you're talking too loud. Well, the cat owns the house. You know that. Yeah, he owns me pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> I was at oh my we were at a friend's house for dinner on Saturday night, and as I she has two cats, pop into the bathroom. I'm in the bathroom, come out. The cat is standing in front of the door, staring at it. And I'm looking at. I open the door, and there's the cat staring. I look at the cat. <laughs> I said, "Amanda, um, did your cat's staring at me. Did I take too long in the bathroom? Does she need to use her litter box?" She's like, no, she just likes doing that. I'm like, great, freaks me out. Oh, yeah, you can't actually close the door when you're in the bathroom here because <laughs> Gus just pushes it open. <laughs> He's very handy with figuring out doors. So um, it's a little bit tricky that certain doors um, need to have some engineering and thought involved because some of the doors have more of a handle than a doorknob. It's like, you know, the, a long handle mm-hmm. that you hold on to. Um, so he's trying to figure those out. And um, so we have to keep doors locked or we have to put something in front of the door so that he can't reach the handle. Because the last thing you need in three in the morning is, you know, <laughs> that. <laughs> don't you know that it's time to feed me? It's, it's, yeah. Don't you know it's time to love on me? <laughs> I <Yep>. own you. <laughs> and that's, and it's so it's so funny how you know as humans we just get conditioned by them like oh you you took that spot in the bed okay let me move or you took the the bed let me go to the couch <laughs> that's that was apparently what happened last night so um yeah but he was a, he's been a pretty good boy today very loud though when he wants something I think that's why we've been saying we think he might be part Siamese because, wow, he gets into his howling, howling loud fits and very chatty. Uh, You just have whole conversations. uh, (laughs) Yep. But uh, but it gives me something to write about for people who are listening who may not know about um, about Gus or Oliver. Um, they have a detective agency, and I write about that. And we run into supernatural creatures, and um, I'm their biographer in a way. And um, so if you go to amberunmasked.com, there's a section for the cats, and um, you can learn all about their cool cases. And the some of the stuff, because some of the stuff, did you ever watch Leverage or White Collar or no, anything like that? No, I haven't. 
Um, okay, well, it's like, you know, when the bad guys kind of help out. So that's kind of Gus's mentality. He's like, it's only a little bit of trespassing. It's only minor <laughs> breaking the law. It's like, yeah, so it's like, it's not really burglaring if we got the key somehow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, Gus. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, yeah, he's he loves trespassing. It's like his favorite thing to do. It's just like, I need to know about all of this land. This is my, and then it will become my land. That's what he thinks. And yeah, he's, um, you know, I keep telling him that we have to allow some trespassers into our yard too, like the bunnies. I really love to see the bunnies. Because you're out, you're a little more rural than I am. I'm in a, I live in, Mm -hmm. by by Connecticut standards, it's a city, but it kind of looks like parts of Brooklyn or Queens. Oh yeah, it does, we don't have yeah. Sidewalks. We have we have sidewalks, and I have a liquor store across the street. No, yeah, we have we have a traffic light now. Um, it went, uh, you know, it was upgraded because it used to just be blinking the red and the yellow. So we have three colors now. Party! <laughs> yeah, it was it was hard to get used to though. I can't tell you how many times I must have run it getting used to it though. Um, but you know. We, there's some urban sprawl. You can see when the developments come in. That's sad because then then people complain about the deer and they're getting run over and the bear eating their garbage. And it's like, well, you're the one living where they lived. They were here first. <laughs> they were here and they're not really overpopulated if you took their land. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So thankfully, we have a governor now who said that he will stop the bear hunt. Yes. So yes. I mean, I, I understand. I understand some hunting, you know, for to keep animals from starving. I, I do, but um, but if I owned all of this land around us, then that would be. I would definitely stop hunting and turn it into a nature preserve instead. And it'd be like, you know, Snow White, like la la la, let the animals come. Now there's a cosplay idea for you. <laughs> yeah. I have so much freaking hair though. It is so hard to fit my hair under a wig. That's one of the reasons that I, that I don't put on a costume as much anymore is it's, I, my hair is ridiculous. It's down to my butt now. So that's a lot to braid and then wrap around my head. And, and then when I put on a wig, it kind of sits four inches above where it's supposed to. Well, you're in New Jersey. That's typical hair. I grew up in, for, for those wondering, I grew it, it up really in New Jersey. Is. So I know the area pretty well <laughs> yeah so, yeah which which also makes you a person who's allowed to make oh, fun of yeah. us because if you're from if you're not from here you just need to shut up but no if you're from here oh, you're yes I, I would tell people like don't tell me your new jersey jokes i've heard them all yeah yeah and we are nothing like the oh no 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 no, no 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 i know some people north jersey wise that are a little bit like the sopranos and South Jersey is a whole other world. It is. And in fact, that's something that I that I mentioned in the, the book that I w- was working on was how back in the day, um, when I was growing up, you were either from 201 or you yes. were from 609. <laughs> like that was yeah, how you was, identified. And now we have, you know. Yeah, I was 201. Then it was 908. Then it was 732. Then I was actually yeah. 609 when my family relocated down near the Princeton, New Jersey area. And I actually, 
Yeah, we changed. And and I actually still, my phone, my mobile phone is still a 609 area code, despite the fact that I live in very much the 203 part of Connecticut. I figured I have to hold on to one thing from my New Jersey roots. I'll let it be that. There you go. And now that we've people who aren't from Jersey are, are listening and tuning out. They're like, what the hell are they talking about? Trust me, it's a thing. It's um, an identity. Hey, we, thing. Haven't, we haven't described where we lived in terms of our turnpike or parkway exits yet, because that's the real sign you're from New Jersey. 11, live there 8. Yeah, no, I don't live by <laughs> any of them. So <laughs> I'm literally not even relevant at that point. I'm, I'm closer to I'll Pennsylvania. Just swing it back to a pop so. culture thing. I always, I, I love telling people that things, uh, that things like in the movie Clerks, Poston, Poston's funeral home is a real place because I had to get my, my mother's mm-hmm. teaching career started in that part of New Jersey, like the northern, northern Jersey shore. And when her first boss passed away, she had a, his funeral was at Poston's. And my mother, not being very computer literate at the time, said, oh, could you go on the internet and get me directions to the funeral home? And I'm trying to keep a straight face. Because she said, oh, it's Poston's. And I'm like, <laughs> the other one that I always get a kick out of telling people, and this is actually uh, mentioned on the DV- the commentary for the DVD for Mallrats, is there's a scene where they go to the flea market and they see the fortune teller. Well, that flea market was a real flea market. Oh, right. And I saw yeah. when the first time I saw mall rats in college, I was like, oh, I've been there. I would get stuff for my dollhouse there. Well, when mall rats was being, was being filmed and released, the flea market was shutting down. And this was a big to do in our part of New Jersey. Cause that was like a central Jersey institution. It's now a movie theater. And you actually hear Kevin Smith mention that on the DVD commentary, like, this is a movie theater now. But it was around that time the movie was being released that the flea mar- that the Route 1 flea market was closing. Oh, yeah, because you mentioned The Sopranos before, and I know that uh, the Bada Bing is a real place. Yep, the, the, Bada, um, the, um, the closest that they got to where I live is there is this uh, tank like an oil tanker in the opening that says drive safely. And that's like the exit right by where you get off the New Jersey turnpike to get to the house where I grew up. Cause it, um, and I did know somebody from high school that was on the show. He had a real bit part. He was like a thug in a pizza parlor. It was like blinking. You'll miss it. And of, <laughs> and of course they don't tell you in the local paper when, what episode he's going to be on. So we had to sit and watch the whole damn season. And my mo- every time would, uh, my mother would be yelling up, is he on? Is he on? It's like, no, mom, that's not Anthony. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's funny, though, because uh, Josh Neff, who's a good friend of mine, and he's been on the show a few times, he went to the same high school as um, Anthony Rapp, who's from Star Trek Discovery, which I and absolutely Rent. love that show. Uh, and, oh, Rent, okay. Um yeah, so it's just like really funny when you you end up yeah. hearing these connections. It's like, you know, what are you doing? You know, how did you come from, you know, bumblefuck nowhere and end up well, our as an biggest, actor? The, our claim to fame from my high school was Richie Stambora. Was Woodridge was Woodridge High class oh, of nineteen eighty five. Okay. Is Bon Jovi's from Central New mm-hmm. Jersey. Now that and somebody I knew like my around my era, he he was like he was playing for the Denver Broncos at one point, but our most famous alum is really Richie Sambora. Yeah, well, that in for New Jersey. Yeah, we kick you out if you don't like Bon Jovi. Yeah. 
I mean, and that's one of those things, like, I'm not really into Springsteen, and it's, like, kind of sacrilege around here, you know? It's like, oh, my God. I'm like, I've just, I guess I've just... Oh, I was enough. joking with a friend the other day. It's, uh, now that I live in Connecticut, they make you sign a pledge to be a fan of UConn women's basketball, or else they kick you out of the state. Never mind that the actual campus of the University of Connecticut is, like, way east, it is like not near farm. There's, there's just farmland all around it. But no, you are a UConn women's basketball fan because mm-hmm. that's really the only thing that the state has going for it lately. <laughs> oh, we were just we, we, you can dream it. We can tax it here. <laughs> Although we do have nice beaches so where on the shoreline. Oh, that's nice. I've been through. I your apologize traffic. for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's something else. There, there are really, some days really where is. a twenty-minute ride can take you forty, because sometimes the only route to get to where you're going is the turnpike. The I call I still yeah. call it's ninety-five. I still call it the turnpike. Um, Jersey habits never die. Yeah. Um, and your and the backup road is often the Merritt Parkway, which runs parallel to ninety-five. And sometimes when that gets ba- and if the and if ninety-five is backed up, everybody's going to the Merritt Parkway. And then it just turns into a, yeah, you'll get home when you walk in the door. Yeah, that sucks. That really sucks. That's why um, it, it's very cool um, that the Cupert School is is not far from me. It's in uh, Dover. but So it's like, I don't know, like 35 minutes. But um, that the the Marvel Universe like has actually put the Avengers uh, like there. Like they're in New Jersey. <laughs> I don't know if they still are, but that's where their headquarters used to be when I was when I was reading Marvel all the time. Um, and that was always funny to read real cities and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, my favorite is with the Marvel is Ms. Marvel because she's Jersey City. Right. And it's, and being a native, it's always fun to see little in jokes in that comic, like about picking on like there was one issue where they were at a science fair and. Somebody joked, he's like, the kids from Connecticut, they'll all have the lawyers. I'm like, true. (laughs) Or one of the more recent issues made reference to what was nicknamed in the media the Summer of Hell with commuting on New Jersey Transit in and out of Penn Station. And they made reference to that. I was like, I see what you did there, G. Willow Wilson. I like it. (laughs) I like somebody's just adding these touches that they make sense within the story. And if you're, you know, the area, it makes you just say, oh, and love it even more. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, because even though we know Gotham is sort of uh, an analog for New York, it's n- not like explicitly stated anywhere. And especially because, it, you know, when they're filming it, they're I, they're creating their whole Gotham world. Which, um, whether you're talking about movies or the show, I I love the that texture part of the show. How they've how they design the environments of Gotham and the color schemes that they come up with. I mean, the show is sometimes hit or miss story wise, but um, it's uh, like I said, visually I'm always impressed with, uh, with every version of Gotham, even, you know, they shot some in of the movies. They shot some in Newark, some in Pittsburgh, some in Chicago. I think, I think, I think if I remember correctly, the, my friend's, uh, teacher at Xavier High School in New York City, and it's one of the top ca- um, Catholic schools in the in the city. And I think he said that they used his building for exteriors for Gotham. Probably, yeah, probably. Um, it's just when you know, like I said, you're just not seeing 
the actual New York, like in a Spider-Man movie um, where you're going to see maybe like something like, you know, the Empire State Building or something like that. It'll be like Vancouver. It'll be like New York that surprisingly looks like maybe Vancouver. Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. And they'll digitally throw in the Empire State Building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vancouver is apparently like where everything is made. On the topic of movies, I think we can all safely agree that Marvel does the movies right. Yes. Comparable to DC that they they had a they they hit it out of the park with Wonder Woman, but what's followed up since has been meh. Well, I haven't On seen the, the uh, Justice League yet. I wanted to and it was out of the theater <laughs> so fast that we no. didn't have a chance to. Uh, needed more Aquaman, which was my code for saying needed more Jason Momoa. Uh-huh. And that's the ni- and that's pretty much the, my one criticism and that's the nicest thing I can say about the movie. Okay. On the flip side, the Marvel TV shows can be a little hit or miss, although they tend to hit a little more. I do love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but DC TV shows just hit it out of the park. We talked about Black Lightning earlier. Right. Uh, we love Supergirl. Yes, Supergirl's um, great. Gotham is crazy, but if you embrace that, you'll, you, you'll have fun. I don't really watch Arrow or The Flash. I've tried to dip my toe into Legends of Tomorrow, and that looked fun. So if anything, the two are at least – they have their strengths. Yes. And I, w- I would hope that like DC can just say, okay, Marvel, you can have the movies. We understand we're not, gonna re- we're not going to reach those levels, but let us have the TV shows. At the same time, though, Marvel's you know Marvel's owned by Disney. Disney's starting up their own streaming service, so they can just do whatever they want. Yeah, that's what and I, I have. A, and a, my prediction is that if Shield gets canceled, there are rumors that the fifth that this is the final season of Shield. Nothing's been confirmed yet. I could see Shield continuing on the streaming service. I could see Agent Carter of Blessed Memory mm-hmm. coming back to the streaming service. I suppose that's possible. I, I guess it, it, you know, it must shift their financials around, uh, of which I know nothing. Um, but yeah, to you know, get different advertising and and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, it just annoys Although me though that Disney is coming out with their own. I mean, it's understandable because it, it seems every channel has. But it's like, oh my god, just one more thing to freaking pay for. It's like that's why we were paying, you know, two hundred dollars for cable was because you end up getting everything. Whereas now they're like, oh, well, don't you want just this channel? Well, sure, that would be great, but not when every single channel is about $10. Yeah, that's why I don't have CBS All Access and I haven't watched Star Trek Discovery yet. I tried to talk my old boss into splitting a subscription because he loves classic Star Trek and I discovered that they were also the home of the of the, of the classic Star Trek library. So I'm like, come on, we can split this. I want to watch Discovery. You can... You can watch the classic shows yeah. he didn't go for it we um although i yeah we kept it just and for been, the length of watching <laughs> discovery and then canceled and it. i know <laughs> i know so many friends that did that yeah. that they would do the free tr- they'd wait till all the episodes for discovery were up do get a free trial and just binge it so they could say they watched it oh, okay we actually we didn't do that but um because we did go want to see it every week um but but that's what we do on the weekends. Like we save up all of our shows so that we can watch them together. And I talked with friends in the um, other countries and actually Star Trek Discovery is on Netflix over there. Oh, that's funny. Uh, I know indefinitely in the UK and in Australia, Canada, it's like on a 
it's on a, I think it's on a cable channel, but it's like a premium cable channel. I, I'd have to ask my one friend, mm-hmm. um, but I know she was, she did, it wasn't like CBS All Access. It's from, what's interesting is that a lot of the hardcore Star Trek people didn't like Discovery because it's nothing really like Star Trek. It's more like um, they're the same people who didn't like the J.J. Abrams versions. Um, so I will say that I happen to like the J.J. Abrams versions. Therefore, I also like Discovery. I like how the most of the main characters are female, um, except for uh, Lorca, played by Jason Isaacs. And um, then they bring in this other soldier later on. Uh, who's a romantic interest, but he does serve a big plot interest point. Um, his character's name, I think, is Taylor or Tyler. I think it's Tyler. Um, so they I, they do remarkable things with their female characters, though. What I do love is uh, I've noticed, and I don't know if this is a effect of Star Trek Discovery or just general availability on streaming services, but I have friends that have been rediscovering uh, the older Star Trek shows. Um, I have a friend of mine and her daughter, when they were over living in the UK, watched, the, um, I think the, I think it was either Deep Space Nine or Next Generation. They watched the one of them together and her daughter has just turned 18. So like this kid does not, would not even remember watching this on TV. I have another friend who's been doing a rewatch of Star Trek Voyager mm-hmm. every weekend. She's been going through the different seasons and for me, I'm like, that's, I need to sit down and do that because I watched Voyager in college it, on the, when it was airing. My friends and I would get together. Yeah, so I, wanna... I, I missed, and that's the whole thing, like with Voyager, I missed like, I don't know when I jumped on. It was like later. So, Oh, I jumped on um, around, let's say, 98. Um, so I don't even know when the hell that was. I, knew, I, I don't know if, uh, I just remember Jerry Ryan. I mean, like. Was that Voyager? That was Voyager, right? Yes, that was Voyager. <laughs> yes, that was Voyager. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm like, I just love hers and everything she does. So, um, it's it's really funny because it's like, yeah, I was watching, uh, having a psych marathon yesterday, and like, one of my favorite episodes is this Jaws uh, parody, and she plays this shark scientist, and I'm like, oh, it's Jerry Ryan. <laughs> She's so great. We- we find great joy in watching those other shows and finding well, – and this is mostly my, my boyfriend um, – finding actors from other properties. Um, he lo- – he, and I think it's because he watches more sci-fi than I do. Um, John Noble, who was on Oh, he's Sleepy in everything. Hall. Yeah, that's <laughs> – we He's everything. He was on – when he was on Sleepy Hollow, my boyfriend was thrilled because I think he was on – ah, shit. I can't remember. Um, but it was like – Yes, was another yeah. fo- it we, was we another been, sci-fi show, and now I'm totally was another fo- Yeah, and I'm blanking on it as well, and I, and I'm going to hang up and remember what it is. But we got such a kick out of that. Um, I've recognized uh, theater actors and actresses that uh, for on like Elementary, for example, right. And they always used to have the joke: if you're a New York actor, you got to do Law and Order at least once. And now I think that's becoming Elementary. If you think about it, it, it really is, and. Um, but we also watched a lot of the uh, Canadian BBC shows. The um, like we watched Murdoch Mysteries and Miss Fisher and stuff like that. And I think Miss Fisher is Australian, though. But um, yeah, that's Australian. But we did. But we watched Murdoch Mysteries and Republic of Doyle. And you start seeing the same actors in every single show. 
Which has prompted my one of my friends to joke that there are only really 12 actors in Britain. Yeah, that's that's got to be. I mean, it's, you know, it's ridiculous. But um, yeah, so so Kate, before I let you go, what I obviously you're doing, you know, reviews that people can keep up with for recommendations on a regular basis. But do you have anything that you want people to know about like right now maybe they're overlooking or maybe they haven't heard of or you just really want a fangirl about anything all right um actually i've got one i have been enjoying a comic and it's a limited series called hungry ghosts and it's put out i think by idw and the internet can correct me and come after me with pitchforks and torches if i'm wrong it's co-written by Anthony Bourdain. And as you can imagine, there's a food, there's a culinary element to this. It's based on the Japanese Edo period game, A Hundred Ghosts. Um, and I blame a mutual friend of ours for getting me into horror comics. And you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is the 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 uh, point of the game is that the samurai would try and up you know out tell each other with scary stories. You had to be scarier. You had to freak people out past your predecessor. This is this is the game played with a culinary flair instead of samurai. It's chefs. They're at, they they've cooked this. They, it's after this massive dinner for really really rich people, and they're telling their stories. So obviously we're not going to get to a hundred stories, but they're deliciously creepy. Oh, that's and weird. I say and I say that pun completely intended. I would not recommend reading these while eating. Yeah, that's you know it's funny when I find myself actually eating dinner with eye zombie on because it's so gross. Oh, we were doing that last night with Fear the Walking Dead. <laughs> it's uh, it's only four issues. It wraps up next month, but it's real. I feel I, it's one of those that I look at and I say I want to be an ongoing. The other one again, sticking with the horror theme is a series from Image called Ice Cream Man. And this is a new series and it's trying to, it's been at times a little Tales from the Crypt and it's at times been a little more Twilight Zone in terms of weaving in the macabre with a morality play. That, that You see that with the issue that just came out this week. But it's also, it's fun horror. It's not, you can read this one while eating ice cream, don't worry, or just eating in general. <laughs> but it's a little more, it's, it's a little more cerebral horror. It's not, you know, it's not very Lovecraftian, but it, that's why I think it's, they, they do find homage to the Twilights. If you like, if you watch those reruns of the Twilight Zone when they do the marathons, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, right. you'll like Ice Cream Man and Hungry Ghosts is just plain fun. Okay. Those are good recommendations. Um, let's see. Uh, one that I, I really don't see people talking about, which kind of surprises me. Again, it's Action Lab. So it's smaller press and, and, you know, people kind of need things shoved in their faces sometimes before they pick it up uh, is Jupiter jet. It's a really darling comic. And I, and I don't mean to sound uh, to make that sound like derogatory. It's about a brother and a sister who end up like crime fighting. And, you know, they find this technology. The brother is like this engineering genius and the sister, um, you know, they end up taking on like the local mafia and stuff. It's really, it's, it's charming and cute and still about, uh, you know, good guys versus bad guys. So I, I like Jupiter Jet. I think it's, I think it's clever. Um, and of course, Raven, the pirate princess, always fantastic. And let's see, 
what does Black Mask have? Oh, Black Mask recently had out um, the spinoff to their Black series, which was um, the tagline was, what if only Black people had superpowers? So then yeah. they did Black AF, America's Sweetheart. I- I have that one, and I'm, it's sitting on my iPad. On my, as we discussed earlier, my really, really long to be long. read list. Yeah, it's it's different storytelling. Um, that's why it was impressive because you know when I've taken, I've sat through like you know every. It seems like you sit through every panel, like um, like when you're a writer, you want to sit through every you know how to write comics panel and stuff like that. So when you sit through workshops and panels and everything, you hear about all these rules. And I love when people just say, fuck it and break those rules. And, you know, they do it anyway. And they still come out with a great story. So, like, there's a lot of narration in um, in this version, Black America's Sweetheart. Um, and that's and I liked it and I appreciated it because I was tired of people saying, oh, you're not supposed to have so much narration. And it's like they would tell me that. Uh, meanwhile, Marvel opens every single issue with, like, inner monologue <laughs> like every issue of everything so i i hate when people start talking to me about rules rules are made to be broken yeah the third thing i'll recommend if you don't mind me jumping back yeah, in because it's jump back in because it's staring me in the face right now but it's a um actual prose book called family don't end with blood and this is a book written by a fan of the tv show supernatural and she got fans and cast members to talk about what the fandom has meant to them. And it will make you laugh and it will make you cry. You don't have to necessarily be a Supernatural fan to appreciate this because it shows the power of fandom. This is a show that spawned a scavenger hunt where people do stupid things in the name of charity, myself being one of them. Right. The reason I have adopted rubber chickens uh, that has helped raise the conversation around mental illness and mm-hmm. has saved, and there's stories in here that has said the book has saved, the show has saved people's lives. It's got, I mean, I've found friends from this show that are some of my closest friends. And it is a wonderful story. If you're fandom in any sort of way, you'll read this book and you'll feel better, I think, about being a fangirl of anything. If you're a supernatural fan, you're going to love it even more. But it's called Family Don't End with Blood. And the, wow, it, cool. the title comes from a line on the show. Okay. Um, yeah, I know that they're on like season 100 or whatever. 13. <laughs> How appropriate. <laughs> right. And I'm only on season six on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I forget where I left off. Somewhere around six, probably. Um, yeah, and again, in my to-read pile, I have um, Big O Love, yes. which just came out. That's, that's in my TBR. Um, yes. You will love Bingo Love. Yeah. I, but I did read, finally, Elsewhere. That's also from Image. Yes. Um, Elsewhere is a, you know, fun, trippy Amelia Earhart. You find out what happened to Amelia Earhart <laughs> when she disappears. And um, and it's just, it, I was completely not expecting where they went with this book. It, it took on such a fantasy uh, scope. And I just, I had no idea that's where they were going. I thought it was going to be like a real steampunk kind of a thing. But I, I loved it. And um, let's see. What else do I have on my list? I have so much. I'm really behind on Black Magic. I feel bad about that. But I'll catch up eventually. And um, yeah, Valiant. I'm waiting for the like Valiant High, I think. 
I'm not sure. I don't have, I haven't seen my review copies, but sometimes I accidentally delete things. (laughs) I just keep reminding myself, you're going to be, once this, once we get out of perpetual winter here on the East Coast, when it's spring, you'll be hitting the beach every weekend. You can just sit and read on the beach. Yeah, that's not me. When I'm outside, it's usually cat time. I don't, uh, I don't get to like, it's never my own time (laughs) that way. Um, yeah, so that's, so where can people follow you other than, you know, going to Geeks Out and Multiversity? Okay. And it's mostly Multiversity these days. I really have to get back into blogging for Geeks Out, but I have something in May. Okay. I won't say much about that yet because I'm waiting on review copies, but it's Twitter. It's underscore library. It's at under librarian underscore Kate. You think I get my own damn Twitter name, right? No, mine's different on like every network. So I'm so hard it's, to so it's at librarian underscore Kate. Um, you just do a search for my full name on multiversity.com. You pick up my reviews. Um, multiversity at multiversity.com is multiversity comics. Follow us. Pour us out to your friends. Yeah. Especially if you like comics. And if you're New York area based, it looks like I'm going to be at Big Apple Comic Con April 14th. 15th is TBD. I'll definitely be at FlameCon in August. Those dates I don't have off the top of my head. And I will definitely be at New York Comic Con. I've got bright red hair. I'm really easy to spot everywhere. <laughs> well, it might not be so easy in a place like Comic Con. But um, but yeah, I, I did go to the first FlameCon when it was in this tiny little place. Um, but I haven't, I have unfortunately not been there since. But I will be, like I said, at Garden State Comic Fest yes. for the Atlantic City version. Yep. City and show. one thing to point out about FlameCon is we are in a new location this year. We are at the Sheraton Times Square. It's like, but it's like the upper, upper, upper Times Square. The point is we're in Manhattan. It's going to be a lot easier for people outside the city to get to. Although I do miss our old Brooklyn location because Shake Shack was right down the street. <laughs> But all the details, yeah, traveling. Yep, yeah. all the details and tickets are on the FlameCon website. So it's, I think it's flamecon.org. Uh, we've been announced. Get on our, get on the Geeks Out mailing list. We announce, we're still announcing special guests. Just to give you an idea of who we bring in, we're going to have Cena Grace, most recently of Iceman. Um, T. Franklin will be there as well. Ms. Bingo Love, because she also has an ongoing coming out in August, um, October from Image. And last year, our big guest was Robin Lord Taylor from Gotham. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. Yes, I yeah, he, and he seems so delightful. From he, people that I've talked to who actually have met him, he's just delightful. He is, he is, and um, oddly enough, I was out of town during FlameCon last year because we did a road trip to see the solar eclipse. But from what I heard, mm-hmm. he brought along another, one of the my, another cast member, and he actually mm-hmm. stayed and did a photo with all the geeks, uh, the FlameCon staff free of charge so he is upstanding individual and i always tell people he's one of the reasons i keep coming back to gotham but to hear these stories as as an actor for his talent but to hear these stories about him as a person warm my heart even more so well he is the best part of gotham that's that's the main reason that i watch the show (laughs) i've been saying that since day one i can't and i just couldn't believe it i'm like oh my god he's amazing um, and he made the, he made the penguin so much more interesting yes, to me. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, if you are the type of comic fan or TV fan who loves the, that sort of thing, that celebrity photo op stuff, Heroes and Villains is a comic 
convention franchise or whatever you want to call I've heard it. Of um, that. Yeah, heroes and villains they do come to New Jersey and different part, you know different towns around, um, and I believe it's like co-owned by some of the actors which is why it's such a big deal you know so like that's why they always have everybody from arrow um you know that kind of thing yeah i've I've, one of my friends did heroes and villains portland and she did a photo op with some friends with uh and i'm I'm blanking on her name but the actress who plays felicity oh yeah i don't know her name either (laughs) it's getting that point in the day where it's like i want to have another cup of coffee but i also know i'll be up till three in the morning (laughs) I'm like, it's 5.30. I'm brain dead. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) On that note, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. And I know we went off on a lot of tangents. God bless you for having to edit this. (laughs) No, but that's that's what I wanted. I like, you know, we haven't just geeked out. We haven't nerded appropriately. And that's what I really wanted. So, Kate, I appreciate that. You know, and it was, you know talking to somebody about nerd stuff besides my boyfriend. It was, you know, fun. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, I mean, what I talk to the cat all day long. And next, and next you know. time I'll have actual vodka or at least actual oh, awesome. alcoholic beverage. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I didn't, because I'm, I'm so fatigued right now that I knew if I had a drink, I would have fallen asleep on the microphone. And that's um, not entertaining. Yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, it's like, I'm sorry, I just end up taking so many, like, allergy pills Ugh. and stuff that I'm I'm a total dope half the time. Um, so, yeah, so that's why if people wonder what the hell's wrong with me. A lot of times I'm just like, it's medicine. <laughs> just ignore me. Stick me in a corner. Um, so, awesome. I will definitely be seeing you, of course, on the Absolutely. Twitters. All right. And everybody, thank you so much for listening along with all of our various discussions on comics and TV and nerdy stuff and politics and um, usual the usual stuff that you expect from Vodka Clock. Um, and yeah, definitely keep reading my adventures with Gus. They make me feel like um, like I do this for a reason, uh, other than being completely manipulated by a cat. So um, Adventures with Gus is on AmberUnmasked.com and you can support all that work at Patreon.com slash AmberUnmasked. And you can follow me on Twitter at Elizabeth Amber. Hopefully I will see people at uh, the Atlantic City Garden State Comic Fest show. So I will see you there. 